In this episode, we're talking with Ray Chua, a buyer's agent from Perth. We're going to reveal his insider's view on rising property values there and what's been driving the market and why he thinks that the data we're told to rely on has been proven to be wrong. Are investors overconfident about the Perth recovery story? Are those buying in now on the crest of a huge wave or about to be dumped? Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent and buyer's agent mentor, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia, author of Auction Ready and co-host of Your First Home Buyer Guide. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker, recently ranked number five in Australia out of over 18,000 brokers in the annual MPA Top 100 Mortgage Broker Award. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of an appropriate and experienced professional. Our guest today is Ray Chua, and Ray has been a buyer's agent for over 15 years, moving into the role following a three-year sales stint as a sales agent, and before that, qualifying to be a mechatronics engineer. And Ray, feel free to explain that in a moment. He's an active investor himself and over the years has personally engaged in various projects, including renovation, subdivision and development. His latest achievement includes overseeing the entire process of a triplex development in a north coastal suburb of Perth and personally buying over 500 properties for clients. Having witnessed market fluctuations post the mining boom, Ray has launched his own buyer's agency called Buyer's Advocate Perth, specialising in securing what he calls outstanding investment-grade assets for his clients that stand resilient during downturns and fuel remarkable growth. We're quite keen to learn about that. Now, Ray has also assisted numerous home buyers purchase their dream family home in Perth. Now, he prides himself on his analytical approach to property, no doubt a legacy of his engineering background. So we're looking forward to digging deep on what's happening in Perth. Welcome, Ray. Tell us, before we talk property, what is a mechatronics engineer? Uh, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Um, so yeah. it's two disciplines combined, uh, mechanical engineering and electronic. And um, I was, I guess, the second year of that um, batch uh, where they first introduced the course um, at Curtin University. And um, yeah, it was fun. I, I, you know, I got into it um, thinking robotics, but as a mechatronic engineer, we, we hate the fact that machines imitate humans. It doesn't have to. Um, to to work properly, so uh, so yeah, it's um it's very much a discipline where it's automation and um uh, subsips subsystems working together. Yeah, I mean, I do love that a lot of people in buyers agency. I mean, you're one of the uh, like I said, pre the the dinosaurs of the buyers agency industry. Like you know, someone who's been doing it more than one or two years, um, which is going to be a lot of uh, that. But I also think I love how there's a background of a lot of buyers agents that come into the industry and you know a process and analytical approach is a very important, I think, you know, when you're, you're weighing up different options for clients. And so I can see how that skill set can morph into to great buyers agency. Ray, I mean, one of the reasons I, um, we asked you to come on is, you know, you've been around the traps for a long time. You know, Perth's become all in the vogue in the last couple of years. And a lot of people uh, probably never been Perth three years ago and they're buying there for clients now. And, you know, they haven't gone through the, the boom and then the bust and then the years of no growth. And, having to manufacture growth and, you know, and then seeing what really collapsed and what the locals want. So it'd be really enlightening, you know, because it is such a key uh, word, Perth, thrown around in the property investment circles right now. Just talking through, like, if you don't mind, I know it's a big question, like the longer term history, you know, even if you go back to the the doubling in prices in two or three years 
and then what's happened over the last 15, 20 years and, you know, how the recent, you know, 12, 18 months has gone. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that. Um, it is a bit of a roller coaster. And um, uh, so Perth had its mining boom, uh, 2006, um, and had mining boom mark uh, two at, up to 2014. Um, but really that 2004 to six period, we eclipsed um, Sydney prices and that was, um, you know, uh, headline news and all. And uh, but the funny thing is, uh, right now the all the metrics are are even stronger um, than than that, that period of time. Uh, in terms, of, for example, the transactions are, are even more at the moment. Um, but suddenly, um, I got into the industry as a sales agent at that time, and um, it was a crazy time to be a selling agent. Um, and I would see um, people write offers right after viewing at you know on, on the letterbox writing the offer. And uh, offers over offers, so it was very much a, um, a boom period. And suddenly, um, it was fueled by mining, no doubt, and construction. And uh, and a lot of people came to the city for that. And uh, when they left, that's when the big downturn happened. Uh, and and so uh, Perth has had a and probably still has a uh, reputation of being a boom bust type of city. But um, from where I sit and from working on the ground. Uh, it's certainly gone past and, and uh, consolidated, matured, and it's certainly um, looking more and more sustainable. So, um, so yeah, it, it but was. What happened in that? You know that we're talking like what is it? Two thousand six, right to two thousand and twenty-three, right? Like it's a long time. You know what? What happened all over those years? Because it's it's not a pretty story for different parts of the market, right? Like you know and. You know, and how as a buyer's agent were you able to still navigate that? Because you're, you've been pretty patient to stay in the industry when it hasn't been growing, right? It's hard, hard pitch when, you know, prices aren't going up. So, you know, tell us how, how people in Perth have been able to weather that storm and manufacture property returns in that period. Yeah. So it, it's certainly um, uh, not the, the, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not the happiest story, I guess, um, uh, for, for a lot of um, people. Um, but certainly timing uh, speaks volumes. So I was a, one of the lucky ones, for example. I, I bought my properties in 2003 and four. So if you caught that boom, you're on easy street, right? You can do a lot with the equity. Um, and so to navigate that, um, it's really, uh, I guess, um, the, the, the city is growing organically. Um, and so you have to remember there's always um, the, the more desirable part of the city where everyone wants to live. Um, and so the business was predominantly um, probably 95% investors started off that way. And because of the, I guess, the, the nature of the investment market, it was definitely more skewed to owner occupiers during the um, tough times. I, and so we were hoping, helping a lot of home buyers um, uh, more so than investors um, in, 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 the, in the hardest times in Perth, I guess. And um, we were recommending uh, investing in, uh, in Brisbane of all places. So, so <laughs> At, at some at one stage where you know we're, we're not afraid to say there, there are better growth opportunities in other states and so uh i guess if people want perth that you know we do um do our best and, and guide them but certainly uh we we also have to um uh give our advice for example there was a an inst- there were a lot of examples where people wanted mining town investments and we at that time advised against uh against that um but Unfortunately, some people still mm. get lured by the um, by the high yields and um, and quick bucks, and uh, they jumped in to only to really regret it. And it's certainly, uh, it 
it can uh, it, it's disastrous in terms of changing their life. So, um, but where, whereas um, you know the, the good properties, if you just look at them, the uh, median trends, um, it, it might tell uh, a, a story of no growth. But actually, in if you look deeper into the good areas that uh, that everyone wants to be, the aspirational areas, um, they've actually um, done a lot better than the averages. So. Um, that speaks volumes to um, doing the research and buying the right place. Um, Chris, you mentioned adding value. Uh, certainly, <clears throat> turning apples into apple pie, finding that development site, and creating uh, more more uh, assets to uh, for the market to rent or resell. That's definitely a, a strategy that that we had to ha- um, help clients with, but also yeah. renovate um, to to add value and, and add that wow factor. So there, there was still a lot of successes around um, the, the active strategies during a yep. flat market. I think that's one of the things that um, opportunities, I guess, that is there in a flat market. When prices start to rise and FOMO starts kicking in, then you'll see that differential between an unrenovated property and the renovated equivalent, if you like, or the same size, same location, same block of land. Yeah, the difference in price becomes negligible. As those who are desperate to get into a market will will push themselves up on the unrenovated properties, and so certainly when things become very very flat, those unrenovated properties become very unappealing. Because why would you bother? Why would you go through all of that if you could actually buy something renovated for not a lot more? You know, for not a lot more. So their prices do fall on unrenovated. Uh, you mentioned also earlier about you know the owner occupier um, appeal, and obviously understanding granular. Uh, what's going on in a market in a granular sense. And certainly when we look at aggregated data for an entire city, it doesn't take into account there are certain locations that are vastly more desirable than others and will have different um, different patterns of in terms of price movements. But that said, the, you know if you compare to an aspirational suburb in Perth compared to one in Brisbane or Melbourne and Adelaide even or, or, New- or Sydney, over the same period of time, the growth rates were markedly lower. They might have been better than the rest of Perth as a whole, but you know the, the whole city was dragging down those areas. Um, I'm curious, though, because you did mention that Perth is now sort of consolidated and matured as a city. So how has it changed from being just a big mining town? Yeah, great question. Um, it's you know it's always been known as uh, everything closes at five. Uh, a bit of a sleepy town and uh, if you haven't been to Perth or been a while since you've been then that's the perception you probably have but certainly you know it's it's got a real buzz about it right now um you know there's so many events and um things happening all around the city not just in the city but neighborhood events as well um a lot of infrastructure that have has um happened and you know uh, partly COVID stimulated but also lifestyle um driven um, and so we're on the well stage for a lot of things, uh, you know, up to stadium um, and, uh, you know, this new museums, for example. But there's a lot in the pipeline as well that, that's um, about to really um, bring people to the city and, and actually live in the city and stay in the city and visit the city. Um, so I can ream up a few infrastructure, you know, points if you like. But um, certainly it's... I'm sort of more curious if... if- you know, what's been the primary industry and, and employer and, and where most of the money has come from is the resources sector. The fact that you've got that infrastructure and, and going on, I mean, that's that in itself, if, if construction as well has always been underpinning purse, purse property movements or fluctuations. 
is there are there different industries that are bringing employment to the state and to the city, or is it that the mining sector is is going through a more prosperous phase, and so therefore there's a market for all this stuff? In which case, it's still a mining town. Yeah, definitely. I, I hear you, and the, we're we're proud of uh, what we're good at, and we're we're never going to um, deny that uh, mining's our thing. So we're 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 certainly. Um, uh, very much correlated to um, that that sector. However, it's um, not really a one-trick pony in, in a number of ways. Firstly, the type of minerals, you know, there's a lot of um, diversity there, gold, nickel, LNG, um, iron ore, obviously, but also the um, the uh, the way of the future, you know, lithium, critical minerals, the solar, wind, everything's here. And so the idea that our boom is on the back of just the resources and energy might be at that that might be tapering out. You know, it's here actually for a long time. So really, um, the other industries. So I had a look at this. Um, I've got the chart up actually, and the biggest employer at the moment in in, in Perth is healthcare, with uh, ninety one thousand people, uh, and then the professional um, uh, sector is fifty eight thousand two hundred people. Construction industry industries in third place, fifty seven thousand two hundred people. Mining's in fourth place, employing fifty thousand four hundred people. And retail trade is equal fourths, you know, around that fifty thousand mark. Um, and so those five sectors, it, it does make up half of our employment. Um, but there's a you know, there's a growing industry like agriculture and education and, and the like um, that that's still sort of um uh, you know hitting its ranks at the moment. Right. I mean, we're doing an episode after this, just coincidentally, with um, an expat specialist and. You know, have you seen a lot of, um, due to affordability, right? Well, I can think of friends, I can think of friends from London um, that have moved back to Perth. Um, you know, whether it's their lifestyle move because of the kids or they can't move to the, the East Coast um, or that, you know, are you finding that, that maybe that brain drain is now looping back into the Perth? And then once some family members or friends move back, that also encourages them to move back. So a lot of the, the and, and that's, you know, intergenerational wealth and they want to be where they grew up. Um, do you find in this, this pressure cooker of people around the world, you know, which are from Perth, driving Perth? Um, yes. So I, I do think that um, the jobs is, is the main driver. So whether it's people from Perth or otherwise, jobs is the key. And um, our, our market's always not really driven by interest rates. It's always driven by economic strength and jobs. Uh, and, so, um, and so this is the, the main driver, I feel. Uh, and yes, anecdotally, um, we've got uh, got good inquiry from people from overseas but it's it's um it's yeah job related it's uh it's they're here for work um yeah uh, yeah that, that's really the the key you sent us some information prior to this yeah, um this chat that suggested that core logic had their perth housing data wrong so can you tell us some more about why you thought that oh uh, look the, i guess this is more talking to broadly to the um the media and uh, not just core logic, but in, in, in general, the media um, says a lot of things which affects the sentiment of our market. Um, and so, um, for example, yeah, is Perth just a mining town? That, that's a very common statement that, that we hear from East Coast um, um, companies that promote property in the East Coast. And so that sort of um, definitely becomes a prominent thing. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talk on short-term growth, um, what's going to happen in one year or what happened last year. But obviously, that serves no one in terms of long-term investors. Uh, really, you should be looking at long-term data. And um, the the core logic thing was more so um, 
Uh, we, we're on the ground. We know how strong the market is in some areas. Yet, where every time we look at the monthly report on CoreLogic, it's uh, dismal. It's negative or, or a very small amount. And so we, we you know, had our concerns. Um, uh, Perth was showing um, really robust growth in our point of view. But and when we look at the uh, the other supplier of data, like in, in WA's Rewa, um, we can clearly see uh, discrepancies. So we decided to submit some of this Rewa data to CoreLogic, and they did uh, pause their uh, reporting on Perth to investigate the divergence in, uh, yeah. in the housing market. Um, measurements for Perth and, and subsequently they did adjust their figures. Um, so again, I'm not sure whether it's uh, yeah. the Hedonic indicator not working properly in Perth or or some, something of that nature, but uh, you know, some people suspect is it the stakeholders of CoreLogic that, um, that are more East Coast based. So who knows? Like, uh, Things like that don't exist in this world, right? You know, it's always if everyone's really weird. Um, yeah, no way. Um, <laughs> I mean, the per- it's it's a fight to quality though, isn't it? Like, you know, what a Cottesloe or a Subiaco or, you know, and the housing market versus the apartment versus the house and land on the fringes versus the, the new builds up the coast or down the coast. Um, I mean, you sort of alighten to what are the issues um, that's it's very obvious here on the East Coast, to be honest. Um, East Coast buyers agents, new buyers agents that have no idea about the history of Perth because how do you know the history of Perth? Do you how do you know what locals want in Perth if you haven't been in that market for 15, 20 years? Like, you know, you you were helping people buy people uh properties in Perth when people didn't really want to buy. They just they were buying not because of price growth, they were buying because they wanted security and lifestyle. And you know, and what the locals want is really yeah, new people moving to the city is great. Um, but what locals want Really, that's what drives prices, particularly the ones who are more affluent. Um, so, Ray, what's your take on this? You know, because you are seeing a lot of buyers agents in the market and they're going up and down the coast. They're going to the fringes and buying big blocks of land. Um, and the issues with this, particularly because we're seeing on the East Coast, a retraction back to the city. Like, you know, buyers don't want to make those big lifestyle an hour away from the city or two hours. Um, they want to be close to the action because return to work's um, you know, getting stronger and stronger. How how are you seeing things play out, and how you know, without trying to point pinpoint different buyers agents, but the mistakes East Coast, you know, buyers agents jumping off planes are making in the birth market. Yeah, great point. Um, I guess uh, we are seeing a prolification of of, um, of East Coast buyers agents. That's for sure on the ground. Um, and you know, we talk to our um. Uh, selling agent contacts from time to time, and they they report how shocking uh, the, the the price uh, that they would pay for certain properties, and and so when that happens, you, you got to wonder. Um, and uh, and following, you know, uh, the uh, where where they are buying, and the the classic uh, is kind of the the Rockingham type of area where um, no doubt there's pockets of uh, where it's really nice. It's just. Um, uh, it's. I think they they compare it to uh, a similar coastal type of location over east, where it's fringe commutable. However, um, yeah, it's it's got it's an easy sell. You know, it's um, under five hundred thousand, uh, high yield, right near the beach. Um, but you know, I, I've you know, I, knowing the area, I, I guess I it's not an area that I would um, take my clients. Um, and so it's really. I, I wonder if they've looked at you know the the um, uh, the, the, I guess the, the demographics, the affordability ratios, 
income to house price, income to uh, rents, because yield is one thing. If people can't afford to keep paying more, that's that's the other thing, isn't it? Um, and uh, and the supply is a big one down there. So um, you know we we can access um, state lot activity just to have a look at how many lots are for sale or coming up. Um, that that kind of metrics is critical. Um, you know, future supply is the enemy of growth. So we 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 avoid that region for supply concerns as well. Um, because if you're three minutes from the town center compared to five minutes, it's, it's not much difference. And yeah, we, we're looking at the rental density and, and all, all the other unemployment stats, um, socioeconomic stats, and it just doesn't stack up from in my books. Uh, I've certainly bought a, a, only a handful there for people who want to live there in the best parts of, of the area. Um, so, so we have, um, you know, we have dealings down that way, but not, not many. Um, but certainly, uh, uh, you know, I'll try to steer my clients to to better better locations. Right. Sounds like you don't need to steer them, to be honest. Um, you what a great line that was. You know, future supplies the enemy of growth. I might um put that <laughs> in my quote proper, that. Yeah, my yeah. property playbook. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, so you know, this is what I you know a good point, right? So you're saying that um, typically the the more affluent. Uh, and why that matters is that you know that's usually they are buying lifestyle. They've got bigger budget. They've got potentially more intergenerational wealth and that's just the reality of inequality um and they usually got the biggest earning increases in the future and so they also want to buy forever homes and um and they usually people these are forever suburbs as well so there's less turnover in these suburbs so typically though in that downturn though over those years like people wouldn't move to rockingham right they would want to stay close to the city they'd want to stay in a more uh, established suburb with parklands and close to the the schools and the city and the beach and um, that's ideally the what that type of buyer really wants to achieve is is that type of lifestyle. Would you, would would you agree with that? And is that what your trends over the longer term would show? Yeah, that's that's right. So um, so certainly uh, the, um, the the desirable areas um, uh, we, we're finding. Um, I, I guess that's the premise of, of of investing in property. We we where where will it grow? And and you're exactly right. It's driven by if people are, are earning more, they can pay more, but also intergeneral wealth and intergenerational wealth where there's inheritances and um, windfalls and, and the like um, uh, and look certainly uh, there's there's still some lifestyle drivers for for you know an area like Rockingham so we're, we're not dismissing that but I guess the question is how is it the top 20 percent of um, uh, you know wealthiest Australians are wanting to live there and so so that's um, that's more uh, I guess if, if you're looking for a, an alternative because of budget, um, we would probably take you to um, the next suburb along or, or a smaller dwelling in those locations rather than um, uh, taking you to the, uh, I guess, uh, the areas that aren't demonstrating the, those um, investment grade factors. What, what you're touching on there is something that, that I hear and I'm sure Chris hears across the country and in that certain areas become attractive to investors who are looking for affordable options to invest. And so the idea of investing in affordability, they really should be in two separate sentences because often they lead people to buy poor quality investments. And And Brisbane buyers agents have been complaining about this for, for years, uh, about the, the flood of southern, you know, southern states uh, buyers agents. And of course, increasingly, I mean, Chris mentioned Eastern States buyers agents getting off the plane, but increasingly we're hearing stories of people that don't even bother getting on a plane. And, you know, <laughs> they they're relying either on what they see online themselves or street view or or um, I've heard, you know, property managers 
I mean, what could go wrong? And some of the, I've actually spoken to some property managers in Perth because I've been curious about this and I've heard some horror stories and, and from their own mouths, they've said to me, oh, look, you know, I'm not, I, I don't know what makes a good investment. I just know what rents well. And, you know, and if I think that that's a good one I'd like to, to manage, then of course I'm going to tell them they should buy it. And they're not telling me that because they're saying, oh, I'm just telling them anything they want to hear. They're actually are just saying that that's in the best of, in their own best endeavours, that's what they're doing. And I know that that's not enough, right? So are you finding that as, a, as an established buyer's agent in the area, are you locking horns with some of these buyers or are you finding that they really don't know how to identify good areas and good property and so therefore you very rarely come across them? Yeah, great, great point. Um, look, I, I do see um, some from time to time, but uh, certainly um, it's a real uh, concern of of the industry um so i'm part of the rewa um buyers agency committee and so we as an nsn industry group we, we do talk a little bit about you know um the fact that uh people are coming in how, how qualified they are to to um represent uh their clients because um yeah it's you know we, we've even heard um disturbingly reports surface about um buyers agents from the east coast reaching out to selling agents um and uh, through generic e- Gmail accounts, uh, and they don't even have any licensing details or office details. So in these instances, what if they just close their Gmail account? There's ab- absolutely no trace of their involvement. Um, and so, what happens if they didn't convey a certain uh, important point about a property? That that's the mis- um, misrepresentation that we're worried about, um, and and you know we're, we're concerned that these mishandled transactions. This lack of accountability, the system needs to be more robust. Right now, um, the um, the mutual recognition, you can just come in without uh, without any experience in doing any uh, transactions in Perth, whereas as a licensed agent, you need to be under a licensee for two years before a licensed agent can actually practice. So at least you've got you know that support and, and experience behind you. So yeah, it's real concerning in terms of um, the... The, um, the safeguards and and that's that's really the importance uh, as a, an experienced bias agent we emphasize due diligence our understanding of local practices and you know we want to safeguard consumers against uh, non-local representation I'm on a personal mission to help more people make better property decisions and you can find out all about what I'm working on at veronicamorgan.com.au and there you'll find resources for first home buyers, details about my buyer's agent mentoring program, access to suburb help for investors or if you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or lower north shore, you can connect with my team at Good Deeds Property Buyers. If you're thinking about buying your first home, upgrading to a new one, or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, we would love to carefully guide you through this journey and importantly, get the finance right. Please reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Don't forget that you can download our free full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au. Right. I mean, you can't say it any better than that. I mean, it, it's, it is a concern and it's a concern for us who, you know, who, I mean, even this week I saw a client that, you know, got completely stitched up in the new build space, um, you know, and the whole rent vesting and the depreciation and luckily we stopped him um, buying another one, um, but he's got to get out of some, you know, townhouse in Gympie or something like that. It's, um, they were trying to buy another house in Western Sydney. It's, um, 
Yeah. So we, we see it. We see all the pain that people have made bad mistakes. I, I, I think it's going to come out. So we talk about like a high yield, low affordability part of the market that, you know, these buyers agents are playing. What other mistakes they make? And I imagine they're trying to do some land banking in outer suburbs as well, like where, you know, oh, at some point I'll knock it down and do a townhouse development, but it's 25 k's in the city. Um, I imagine people will also, um, yeah, that, and, and maybe even go, maybe, hopefully not, but hopefully they're not falling for off the plan and, you know, new builds over there. But, you know, I guess they, they'd still be happening a bit. But um, what, what other mistakes are they making? Look, it's really just um, going for, um, it's an easy sell, right? Um, you know, get positive cash flow for, you know, $400,000, get positive cash flow. So so it is that, uh, it's so easy to sell. You, you know, I'd, if, if everything was that easy, um, you know, I'd be, I'd be doing it. Um, but it's really, um, uh, feel like I'm doing the wrong thing if, if I ever did that. So, you know, the areas um, that, that they t- they're taking their clients, um, I can't, I just had a look just now. I couldn't see where would I put my client. Is there a better part of that suburb? And I can't, can't hand on heart to say yes. <laughs> so it's it's really um, worrying. Um, but uh, I don't think, yeah, I think people who are more and more educated about the, you know, Hasselbank packages and brand new, I think the, those are still more owner-occupier driven. Um, yeah. You know, first-time buyer driven. Wait, so how's your inquiry? So in your business, what's the inquiry like? I mean, obviously... Uh, we know a lot of DIY investors are, you know, doing it themselves, DIY, of course, and, and they're, I know the investor forums are full of people talking about Perth uh, and often spruiking their success stories and the instant equity gains and that sort of stuff. Uh, we know that there are fly-in, fly-out or borderless buyers agents buying over there, whether they get on a plane or whether they don't get on a plane. Are people who are outside Perth or potentially Perthians, is that what you call the locals there, um, are you getting increased inquiry for people who want to invest in Perth? Is it is it basically creating a bit of a frenzy, generally speaking? Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but we I just launched this business um, after you know, a strong 15-year career. And um, yeah, it's been a good time to launch a business because you always worry whether the phone will ring, but right now it hasn't been a problem. Um, so the, the, the front end or the, the inquiry is strong. Um, it is a, still a combination of uh, investors and home buyers. However, um, there's a marked uh, increase in um, East Coast buyers. Um, I want to buy in Perth. And, and so that is uh, quite a common um, situation. Again, their budgets are, you know, they think Perth, I think five hundred thousand. Uh, it's a little bit unrealistic um, yeah. because look, the median house price in Perth, according to Rewa, is five seventy five. By CoreLogic, um, uh, it's six hundred and sixty thousand dollars. And so, really, we're trying to get better than average. We really need a bit more, more. than the median, right? Yeah. So, uh, I do believe the the Rewa median is is um, very clinical and it's really the middle number. Whereas the mm. core logic one is hedonic and it, it's probably hugs closer to the truth. Um, so 660, um, you know, we're, we're sort of saying to clients, it's got to be that and, and above. But given, the, given all that activity from investors, what would be the signs then that the market could be overheated? Because I guess that to me says that you're not dealing with fundamental local demand. Look, I, I, I wouldn't... Uh, I guess if you look at the um, the borrowing numbers, you know how many percent 
personas and how many percent are investors, it's still at a healthy level. It's not overheated from yeah. that point of view. I wouldn't say um, we're at a dizzying heights of investments. Uh, and so, you know, uh, that's another thing that uh, I guess this proliferation of uh, media saying, oh, Perth is peaked. Uh, when, whereas if you compare our growth or, or, you know, the compared to our previous peaks, that kind of thing, it's, it's really just started. It, it's got a long way to go to catch up to what the East Coast markets uh, have done. Um, and, um, and, you know, we, especially after such a long, prolonged uh, consolidation, right. there's a good chance that the coming, um, years, uh, not just one year, not just two years, and I'm talking five, 10 years, uh, could be quite healthy for Perth. Um, again, um, we see no signs of slowdown, mainly because of the supply constraints. But um, certainly, the the, um, the very moment the, the demand is um, very very strong. I imagine there's going to be a bit of debt created in the the Perth market, and and you know, as in people, there was never, even though there was desire to upgrade, there was never urgency to do it um, because you were worried about the suburb running on you. So. You know, I'll upgrade when I get to that stage of life, right? Because I don't need a bigger mortgage now. Like, I, it's I don't need that space. But you know, what then drives it is, is actually no, no. I need to lock that in because if I don't do it now, I won't do it. And I imagine you you you'd find that with price growth, you're starting to see people take on debt earlier than they they need to, and um, be willing to lock it in because of if they don't do it now, they're worried that that they won't be able to get there for high school. Um, and so people are in that that sort of that transaction then that person sells and then that person upgrades and so you create these more um steam in the market particularly in these owner occupier markets um i mean ray you kindly took me on a car drive around i think it was it would have been 2013 14 or something i can't remember when it was and you know we went we went on a bit of a uh you know you were very kind you took me to the where the where the you know the cotter's low or the um subiacos but we also went on the south side of the river and things like that um with this borrowing capacity restraint, um, where people would love to be in those suburbs, but you know, even just because of their the bank's borrowing capacities, are you finding though that there is some really good growth uh, in the bridesmaid suburbs and the the suburbs that people didn't really want to go to before, but they know that it's very similar to the suburbs they want to be, um, but it's actually just all that's affordable now because of borrowing capacities. Yeah, no doubt. That's definitely a, a big change in, in trend. So it's a good thing because, uh, you know, these areas have been quite sleepy for a long time as well. So it's it's uh, it's good that that's happening. But no doubt um, when it was more affordable and people can borrow more, there, was, there were more transactions in the premium suburbs. But of course, with the borrowing capacities diminished and uh, price growth, uh, it is very much um, the bridesmaid suburbs that that are having their time in the sun at the moment, and uh, you know we're 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 loving it uh, because it's it's a good uh, price point. You're still getting into great areas that are uh, represent um, uh, great value, but also um, amenity lifestyle. So um, I don't know if you want me to ream some suburbs off, but you know the the um, the Victons still Riverside um, for you know under one point two. Uh, Duncraig, you know, around a million, um, you know, Karen up uh, that kind of these kind of areas are um, near or next door to the really affluent areas, um, but uh, they still represent a fantastic opportunity for people to come in and and uh, have have a great lifestyle. And um, you know, uh, we talked about owner occupier appeal. If you're an investor, um, I would actually encourage these type of investments as well because you know, um, the, it's the future home buyer that's going to pay more these type of products um but i understand um 
not everyone has that amount to invest. But that's a big mistake we see all the time, um, people splitting their budget, trying to get a couple <laughs> yeah. of smaller ones. <laughs> I guess the thing too is that if you've got that amount of money to invest, then you know you might look to other cities where you think, oh, it might be a bit of a sure bet um, because, you know, Perth hasn't done very well over the last decade, let's face it. You know, and we are familiar, you sort of alluded to this earlier, we're, we're familiar with the concept of revision to mean, right, where Perth price could be expected to play catch up over the next decade and potentially outperform the Eastern Capitals, but I'm still not um, completely convinced that that's necessarily just a fait accompli, that that has to happen because, you know, theoretically it should. What do you think would need to happen for that to occur? Um, look, I guess it's still uh, you know, the, the fundamentals um, of uh, population growth. That's a big one. Um, yeah. uh, so people want to be here, that we have to house more people. Um, and um, and the, the trends, are, you know, economic trends. So I'm no economist, but certainly uh, that, that's the bigger picture um, that, that's really um, driving it. But I think also, you know, coming onto the world stage, you know, becoming a world-class city, um, being in the same time zone as Asia type of thing. So, so people are landing in Perth rather than East Coast. Um, so th- these are, the, uh, I think, the, the big picture um, plays that, that has to happen. Uh, big one would be we're very, very good at digging stuff out of the ground. Um, but I think we could get better at um, adding value to that, manufacturing it. Yeah, so that's a real challenge for the city. And I think that's uh, an area, if we can get better at that, it's going to um, uh, do really well. I mean, it's chicken and egg, isn't it? You get more people, then you need more services. You get more service, you know, then you need, you know, so I kind of feel like that it's been held back because, you know, but once population growth and I mean, from affordability point of view, it is, you know, a better option for some people who can't afford to stay in, you know, the East Coast, for example, Um, and then more jobs open up because more businesses open up. And I think that, but also from the expat market, you know, it is closer to Asia. It is closer to the Europe, right? Um, You know, Bali, et cetera. So, I mean, I, I think there's a, you know, there is a big contingent there from around the world in Perth, isn't there? There's, you know, a lot of people do have that as a preference as a city because it is a bit closer to their family overseas. That's correct. Um, and, you know, the the, the most livable cities uh, rankings, I know top 10 is always advertised and Sydney, Melbourne's up there, second, third and fourth. But um, if you look at top 20, um, Perth is, I think, 13th. Uh, above Brisbane, I think Brisbane is 16th or something like that. <laughs> uh, so look, I'm not sure if that says much, but uh, it's you know the, the livability is is very strong. And if we just improved um, one component of that measure, I think it was the arts, uh, then we, we would be in the top five. It's funny though, isn't it? Because Perth, uh, you know, it is almost like a different country. We're you know got the, the time zone difference. You got a huge distance and and quite a long flight to get there from the east coast to Perth and so I know that myself it's a long time since I've been to Perth and there's lots of other places that are a shorter plane ride to that I'll go if I'm going to go for a holiday for argument's sake um and so I think that the dynamic and the attraction you know for people to sort of polarize on one side of the country to the other uh, as a consequence of that you'd need to almost have a history in Perth or like Chris was saying you 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 connected somewhere else and so therefore that makes it really attractive I think, um, you know, I think it's obviously going to be an interesting market to watch because when you look at our top capital cities in this country and you've got Perth median house price, which is way below that of some of our regional cities, um, and 
that in itself is rather unusual, I guess. And I, but I also struggle with this concept that just because it's performing or has performed in that way, that surely it's got to catch up at some point. I'm still struggling with that. I still, I'm not convinced necessarily that the everything's in place for that necessarily to come across. And I, and I think it's interesting too because it appears to be that Perth is very much uh, in favour with investors. In, in a climate where investors are selling up and actually not having a huge amount of confidence. So it's sort of interesting to think that that's what's happening in the in the country. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to recall that at some point in the last 10 years, the vacancy rates in Perth were, were in the double digits. Now, do I have that correct or um, do I have it wrong? 7% was our highest really. Um, so right. in 20, not yeah, double. 2019, <laughs> almost. Almost double, yeah. uh, but uh, but certainly under one percent or under half a percent now. It's yeah. critical, so huge difference, stark difference. Um, and, and but that's uh, that's the situation across the country, and that's that's a bit of a problem because when you're trying to sort of look at look any particular location and say, well, population growth, uh, a shortage of accommodation, those two elements combined are going to con- you know uh, contribute to on long term uh, property performance, then. That, that's not unique to any area in this country at the moment. So I guess that's a danger with with sort of looking to any location and saying, oh, this is just, this is great. Because even though, and some of our economists are saying that that, that situation is, well, that certainly the shortage of accommodation is going to take a good decade to get us out of it. What happens when we get to the end of that decade? Um, so I think that that's something to bear in mind. Do you feel that particularly are you feeling the rental crisis over there in the same way we're certainly feeling it over here it's it's pretty pretty bad i think it's the worst in the country um and uh and so i really feel sorry for the tenants however yeah. um it's really a you know that, that's the state of play and um it's getting to a stage where families are half sharing um uh, and um you know i'm talking to people that um they're, they're sort of under a bit of time pressure to get out yeah. So, uh, so I'm helping them, um, but yeah, it, it's pretty dire out there, and um, uh, you know, hundreds of people lining up for rental. That's like a lottery, yeah. right? So, are you going to get it or not? Yeah, yeah. You're a good awful. Tenant. So, yeah. So it's it's um, not great news, but hopefully, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm hoping is you know all the building stimulus that has happened. They're they're all finished, and people move out of their rentals to get into their new home. Uh, fingers crossed that helps for rel- you know relief. Um, a few rental properties. So with that home build, the WA was uh, next level, like fifty k or something silly, um, yeah. you know. Um, so that that's you know under construction. You know that's why people sometimes forget that you know new approvals and what's you know that's definitely the you know the forecast for you know dwellings in the future is really low. Um, they can't sell them at the moment, right? But we did uh, a lot of people signed up for a lot of contracts in that sort of COVID time. That sounds like they're still working their way through. Um, I mean, I guess it's uh, with Perth. I mean, the the does I think ultimately that rental crisis isn't everywhere. I guess you know with uh, Canberra, I don't I think it's you know rental prices are starting to ease, vacancies are going up, Hobart, but you know a rental crisis does I think lead to a really strong um, you know price growth because that that fear of not being able to rent or you know uh, we're not just going to be able to you know go and rent something when our kids go to high school etc. We must get a solution. We must get that now because renting is not an option. I think that's one of the biggest things that's supporting prices. 
Um, it is. What's your What's your view on people? Because like, affordability is a big topic in New South Wales. You know, how can Sydney go up? Everyone's, you know, already stretched and they're already taken on big mortgages. I just, you know, if you haven't had good returns for so long, you would have been a bit uh, optimistic. You would have been the the black sheep if you went and leveraged up hard into Perth. You would have, yeah, even the people who were doing really well financially probably would have been a bit conservative and said, look like, yeah, we could buy a house at two mil, but let's buy just a house at 1.5. And speaking to clients anecdotally, there was that real natural conservatism because there's so much pain there. So I think that's actually capacity that's available to be used. Um, when borrowing capacity, maybe in borrowing doesn't have to increase, but if it does, plus you get rate cuts, that desire to uh, to buy will really be a, a real big tailwind for the market over there. Do you think that overall, the people who are on the higher incomes are really well within their capacity and have a lot of capacity up their sleeves if they wanted to use it? I, I actually believe that as well. Um, so uh, obviously we've had a decade of um, poor experience uh, in Perth and, and so there's, uh, there's that negative sentiment and we've just, in, in, from a local's mind, uh, we've broken records, right? So it's a different mindset, isn't it? We're, we're, we're a bit more conservative, like you said. Um, and, uh, and so, um, yeah, we're, whereas uh, you know, we're still very much affordable on a, on a national level. Um, and so I, I, I do feel that um, um, people are uh, able to, to, to afford. Um, looking at our incomes, uh, it is you know, pretty much the strongest in the nation, or one of the strongest. Um, and so the capacity is there. I'm, I'm um, confident in that. So tell us, Ray, have you got a property dumbo for us? <laughs> um, so there, where do I start? I'm, you know, there's, there's my personal ones or the client ones, but... Our personal one is probably Hopefully going your back to your clients haven't made any under your guidance. <laughs> Not under my guidance, but uh, <laughs> when they didn't take my advice, you know, um, uh, don't buy it as a mining town, that, that kind of situation. And, but um, personally, um, like you said, um, you know, one of my dumbos, uh, I got my property knowledge going to a seminar series and, and doing courses. And one of them was in Sydney, my very first one. And I, I got all my knowledge from like, on a golden platter kind of thing. And I had the opportunity to buy in Sydney, but, um, you know, I ended up buying um, where I was comfortable, buying at home uh, in Perth. And um, obviously, uh, I've got all, all my eggs in, in the Perth basket, put my money where my mouth is. So that's that's probably my personal dumbo. But um, How um, long ago was that? <laughs> uh, 2001. So, yeah, it was uh, Ouch. I should, the home buys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I should yeah. have paid this 300 odd thousand back then. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's bizarre, isn't it? At, like I bought a property back in 2001. It was a house in Leichhardt and what was it? Three, no, 421000 or whatever it was. It's just ridiculous to yeah, think but that to, now. To clients, um, the, I guess a, a more recent one client-wise would be, um, you know, how I just started my own business and um, um, more active on socials. Someone just, um, uh, you know, uh, reached out on socials to say, um, yeah, looking on the, in the market uh, and then, so, you know, it wasn't really a qualified lead, but they, they then said, oh, I bought something. Uh, do you, can you tell me, um, you know, give me some contacts, uh, building inspectors and the like. And uh, I had a look at the property and it unfortunately had everything wrong about it. Besides a renovation, uh, you know, busy roads, power lines, um, south-facing yards, um, tiny rooms. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I gave them a little bit of a checklist for, for future um, investing and they said, Oh, so it's not a good one then. Uh, and I, I kind of took it back to, look, when it's for yourself to live in, it's um, you've got to make the most of 
what what you've got and let's let's make a good decision moving forward but um but i'm pleased to hear that i think that they somehow wiggled out of the deal so (laughs) then we'll see Uh, see how that goes see if i can help her out well done. So they are, they went for a little bit of free advice. You did give it to them and maybe they've taken it, but they're not coming back to say, can, how can you help me buy a better one? Well, it's, yeah, it's, that's right. uh, it's in our psyche, isn't it? That we can do it ourselves and we can save money. And it's like, it's, it's a bit of a false economy sometimes when you see the sorts of properties, some people go and buy themselves. But I mean, in boom times and when the market is recovering and it is, you know, doing well, like the stock quality um, and the good stuff goes fast and, you know, it's hard to buy. And, you know, are you finding that that's like that real desperation a little bit where, you know, people miss out, then they buy the busy road, they buy that south facing block, they buy the, you know, those things you were talking about. Um, you know, is that really, or, uh, people went a little bit more like, I'm not buying that because I know that tanked. Um, I know that there was 10, 10 for sale on that street for, you know, 10 years, like. Or are people just short-term bias, right? Um, you know, it's kind of like people in Brisbane, they forget the floods ever happened and then all of a sudden they come back again. So how, how's it playing out? I think it's short-term bias and also, you know, trying to stick to a budget. Um, so uh, yeah. so that's, that. I feel, yeah, that's human psychology, isn't it? Um, yeah. Short-term it memories. Is. Well, it's not even just short-term memories. It's the fact is that most buyers are not actively in the marketplace for long enough to see the way that those cycles ebb and flow. They're not there long enough to know that that is actually not a great location, that when things tighten up, people don't rush to that spot or that type of house, for example. And and this is what we often say to our clients is like, we are in these cycles in good times and bad. We know the stuff that people will overlook in a hot market that they won't touch with a barge pole in a slow market. And that's the stuff you've got to be super wary of because in a hot market, people compete for everything. So we're always saying you got to be really, really discerning so that what you're competing for, you're going to have to compete, right? But what you're competing for is good, not just competing for crap. Uh, and I guess that um, when you've had a long time of, of being a buyer's market where you've you've had time, like you said, you've had time, no rush, you can take your time, all of a sudden people aren't used to that. So, you know, our psyches will, you know, FOMO kicks in and we want to be on the train, on the gravy train. Uh, right. I forgot to um, ask you, mate, on a different strategy. Uh, so this is a buyer's agent that is pretty prolific um, and uh, they do, and they've actually got a lot of respect in the buyer's agency world. Um, and I'm not going to, you're not going to reveal who it is, but these uh, buyer's agents believe in uh, flipping, right? So they believe in timing markets and they're very much in the Perth market, right? So they move all of their clients, we're talking thousands. And they've been doing it for a long time. And they, they believe is that we go to Perth, we capture the value, we capture the growth, then we sell it. Um, now, generally speaking, they know what good assets are, right? So they're not making those, those silly decisions. Like they're not making Yeah, but their- when you take in thousands of people, there's not that many. You never get thousands no, of good no. assets available one given time. Yeah, yeah I've just set Veronica off to trigger her. Um, but, <laughs> that, and, but yeah, so they're not doing that, right? So they are buying the more, you know, the better affluent areas. And, they, and, and I agree, Veronica, when you're buying hundreds, your natural, your quality um, has, has to, to drop, drop because otherwise everyone just sits on the books, right? Um, yeah. And what's your take? You know, because the, the pitch is Perth hasn't got anything long term, but I'm going to go and capture the value. And what's your take on that attitude within the Perth market and just general broader investing and, and the dangers of doing that, um, you know, and then the difficulty in doing that? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, look, uh, my take is um, short term is fraught with danger, of course. Um, but mainly there's lots of cost to get in, cost to get out. So um, there's probably easier ways to make money. But uh, it, it's really uh, the, the short term views. Uh, like I said, that, that's quite uh, an interesting read, newsworthy. But it's really, you know, um, if you can make 50% gain, wow, nice. But if you hold it long term and get that compounding growth, that's 10, yeah. 10 times the value, you know, 10 times your investment, um, in, in fact, 10 times the value. Um, so, so that's, that's yeah. the stuff that we're, we're interested life that's life changing for, for clients. Um, uh, so, um, so really, yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I can't say that I've uh, met this, this type of, uh, behavioral group where they're buying big and selling big. So I, I haven't seen, um, maybe that oh, they're they buying now, the but you know, yep. buying now, which is, it's almost a little bit like you maybe missed the initial, uh, sugar hit, um, and uh, the danger is when do you get out, like, yeah, you know, booms go for longer than you expect, right? And then by the time you get out and you pay your capital gains tax and where do you got to go to another one? Then you got to get time another boom perfectly. And you're too late. Like you can't just perfectly move your money around a country and just get every, you know, lick of the ticket everywhere you go, right? There's always an opportunity cost. And um, it's, it is frustrating because, um, you know, I, on the tin, it's amazing, right? They do, like, they do know what they're doing, but it just, it just frustrates me when, you know, even within the Perth market, it, it's sort of like, oh, I'll go there now and I'll get my money, but it's not a great market long-term. Well, you're obviously not betting on long-term fundamentals. You're, And why aren't the fundamentals there in Perth long-term? I agree with you, Ra. I do think you've, you've got strong population growth. You've got affordability. You've got access to Asia. You've got scarcity. You've got great lifestyle. Um, and you've got intergenerational wealth. You've got people moving back. And um, so they're in the good areas, just all the fundamentals are there. Well, yeah, you, you said a couple of things. You said scarcity. There's a lot of land, so scarcity close to the, the CBD and the coast, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. not between the city and the west coast, right? Like, yeah. there's not much there. There's not much just south of the river, and there's not much just near, you know, walking to the city. You know, there's not much. Yeah, there, there's just a little bit That's the case with any city, isn't it? That's really about yeah. really cherry-picking the locations that are that are aspirational and desirable under all market conditions. That's that's the principle that – so Perth has that just like any – Darwin's probably got it, you know. <laughs> I do believe so. I think every city will have, you know, um, the desirable areas, but also the, the people who are doing well and uh, where do they want to live. So that's that's a good yeah. way to look at yeah. it. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Ray. Good to chat. And, really good uh, thank chat. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer in an upcoming Q&A episode, you can send us a voicemail or written question via the website, theelephantintheroom.com.au, or you can email us directly at questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars would be great. I know that sounds a bit cringy, but we have it on good authority that every review helps make it easier for other people to find out about us and hear what our amazing guests have to say.